Well, hello there. This is Peter Bergman. Time for another week of Radio Free Oz's Oz in Your Ears podcast. This being Monday, January 30th, 2012, the day before the Florida primary that's supposed to tell us all, I wonder. Well, before this great non-event happens, let's run down the four, the four garden gnomes who remain. The fabulous final four. And let's see what's happening with them. We start with Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is wealthy and proud. The plutocrat stiff and unbowed. But Mitt, tell all us laymans what you've hid in the Caymans. Go ahead. We're a curious crowd. The most important item in the latest NBC Wall Street Journal poll was that all three Republican candidates are a net negative when it comes to favorability. Nobody likes them, not even their own party, especially their own party. Romney was exposed in two ways in the poll. One, he has a conservative problem staring him right in the face. That hasn't changed. Anytime base conservatives, very conservative voters, Tea Partyists, Southerners, uh, feel there's a viable alternative to Romney, they rally around that person. We've seen this phenomena for months. What? Herman Cain? No, started with Michelle Bachman. Then it goes to Herman the Clown Cain, then Rick Perry, the dunce. Then Gingrich, he's beginning to slide, and where are we now? Oh, let's not forget Rick Santorum, who won Iowa by 20-some votes. So it's the anybody-but-Romney syndrome. Number two, the primary has done damage to Romney. He can't afford a long primary. If this thing goes on until June, it'll be very problematic for him. He's already in a bad position. George W. Bush, McCain, Bob Dole were all in primary fights and all were a net positive at this time in the election cycle. In the past 20 years in the poll, no one who went on to become a major party nominee of either party with a net negative at that point, except John Kerry, and we all know what happened to him, won the election. Yeah, well, there you go. So, Mitt's in trouble. He's not right-wing enough for the right-wing. He's not moderate enough for the moderates. And there are no lefties left in the Republican Party. So, good luck on him. Newt Gingrich. Newt knows that he's toast. And as such, it really don't bother him much. He'll get big bucks for speeches, packed holes when he teaches. Unless he's too toxic to touch. I wonder, he's just been endorsed by the most toxic at all. Herman 999-Kane, the criminal abuser, the sexual madman. Yes, he's now on Gingrich's team after first, what, endorsing the American people? Huh? He's now a Gingrich man. Well, Gingrich ain't getting away with it so easily. Not his awful, racist, divisive politics. Faith in Public Life reports that more than 40 Catholic leaders and theologians across the country are calling on two of their fellow Catholics, GOP contenders Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum, to stop using divisive rhetoric about race and poverty on the campaign trail. And that's just what they've been doing, by the way. Noting that Catholics consider racism an intrinsic evil, the open letter confronts the two candidates about their comments singling out minorities who receive welfare. As Catholic leaders who recognize that the moral scandals of racism and poverty remain a blemish on the American soul, we challenge our fellow Catholics Newt Gingrich and Rick Santorum to stop perpetuating ugly racial stereotypes on the campaign trail. 
Labeling our nation's first African-American president with a title that evokes the past myth of welfare queens and inflaming other racist caricatures is irresponsible, immoral, and unworthy of political leaders, so say the Catholic thinkers and theologians. That's right. You know, there's a large part of the Catholic Church that truly is Catholic, that is the great outreach. You know, for all the problems of the Catholic Church as the great corporation, they have more heart and they have more soul than those thin-lipped, thin-souled evangelical hypocrites. Some presidential candidates now courting value voters seem to have forgotten, these are the theologians talking again, that defending human life and dignity does not stop with protecting the unborn. We remind Mr. Gingrich and Mr. Santorum that Catholic bishops describe racism as an intrinsic evil and consistently defend vital government programs such as food stamps and unemployment benefits that help struggling Americans. Gingrich frequently derides President Obama as a food stamp president. Racism, ding, ding. And recently said he would go to the NAACP and tell African Americans they should demand paychecks and not be satisfied with food stamps. The chutzpah of this man. He also said really poor children have no habits of working and have nobody around them who works and don't know how to earn an income unless it's illegal. That's Newt Gingrich for you. Then let's move on to Mr. Sweater Vest, Rick Santorum. Santorum is scary as hell. You can ask me, Pete, how do you tell? Rick plays prim, straight, and prudent. This boy's pure Hitler Judent, with a ghost in his closet as well. You may wonder why I call him Hitler Juden, and I'll tell you why, because as I watched him in these debates, I suddenly saw the look of the brown shirts on him, the look of the fanatic Hitler youth. Let us not forget that Hitler rose to power within his own party by massacring all of the homosexuals within the SA. Rome, one of his major supporters, was caught in bed with another man and murdered on the spot. It was his anti-homosexual crusade, the Night of the Long Knives, that made Hitler top of his own party. And the anti-homosexual rhetoric and screeds from Rick Santorum are unbearable. The man is scary, and I tell you, when this election's over, he certainly won't be the candidate, might be the vice presidential candidate, I can't tell. He is going to realign himself and become one of the major leaders of the extreme right. You mark my words. Okay, there are some wonderful people behind Centaurum, including the Antichrist. James C. Dobson, founder of Focus on the Family, a conservative evangelical Christian group that pulls in a hundred million a year, has endorsed Rick Santorum for president. Quote, he has pleaded with the nation and its leaders to come to the aid of marriages, parents, and their children. What a refreshing message, Dobson said. There are other GOP candidates who are worthy of our support. Senator Santorum is the man of the hour, Dobson continued. His knowledge of international politics, especially Israel, and the turmoil in the Middle East is highly relevant to the dangerous world in which we live. Yeah, he believes in what? Armageddon? Is he a rapturist? It's hard to tell. Anyway, it was during the NFL playoff game recently that focused on the family, that's Dobson's group, aired an anti-abortion ad featuring Denver Broncos quarterback Tim Tebow. All right, this is Dobson, right? He's for Santorum because Santorum will protect our children. Dobson, in his major bestseller inside the evangelical community, Dare to Discipline, said that pain is a marvelous purifier. Spanking should be of sufficient magnitude to make the child cry genuinely. 
If the child cries for more than five minutes, the child is merely complaining and I would require him to stop the protest crying, usually by offering him a little more of whatever caused the original tears. This man is a sadist. He is the worst, and he comes off under this guise of being so pleasant and so gentle, although the, the scales are falling away now as he gets more and more involved, obviously, in the political process. We begin to see who he really is. So those are the kind of people behind Santorum. Excuse me while I wretch. Last, and probably least, Ron Paul. Ron Paul is absolved of all blame. He's the quirky third wheel in the game. They don't harp on his fetters, those nasty newsletters. He might just light that third party flame. Yeah, think about it. Ron Paul could start a third party and pull 10, 12% and totally destroy any chances the Republican Party has of taking back not only the White House, but retaining the House and taking back the Senate. So they're scared to death of them. They just let him up on stage. They give him a total pass. Well, they're not outing him, but his former associates are. This is fabulous. I want you to listen closely. People close to Paul's operations said he was deeply involved in the company that produced the newsletters, Ron Paul and Associates, and closely monitored its operations, signing off on articles and speaking to staff members virtually every day. Quote, it was his newsletter, and it was under his name, so he always got to see the final product. He would proof it said Renee Hathaway, a former secretary in Paul's company and a supporter of the Texas congressman. A person involved in Paul's businesses who spoke on condition of anonymity to avoid criticizing a former employer said Paul and his associates decided in the late 1980s to try to increase sales by making the newsletters more proactive. They discussed adding controversial material, including racial statements, to help the business, the person said. It was playing on a growing racial tension, Economic tension, fear of government, said the person who supports Paul's economic policies, but is not backing him for president. I'm not saying Ron Paul believed this stuff. It was good copy. Ron Paul is a shrewd businessman. Paul had to walk a very fine line, said Eric Dondero Rittberg, a former longtime Paul aide, who says Paul allowed the controversy material in his newsletter as a way to make money. Dondero Rittberg said he witnessed Paul's proofing, editing, and signing off on his newsletters in the mid-1990s. Quote, the real big money came from some of that racially tinged stuff, but he also had to keep his libertarian supporters, and they weren't at all comfortable with that, he said. In 1996, as Paul ran for Congress again, his business success turned into a potential political liability when his newsletters surfaced in the Texas media. Paul was quoted in the Dallas Morning News that year as defending a newsletter line from 1992 that said, 95% of black men in the district are semi-criminal or entirely criminal, and that black teenagers can be unbelievably fleet of foot. If you try to catch someone that has stolen a purse from you, there is no chance to catch them, the newspaper quoted Paul as saying, my oh my. I just ask all of those rabid Paul supporters out there, if you're going to support him, fine, but come to terms with the fact that this man has profited off of the most vile racism and the most vile anti-Semitism, and he won't cop to it. He's a liar, he's a hypocrite, and he's going to be up on that stage with the rest of the garden gnomes until it's all over. 
And what's it going to look like when it's all over? Well, I can't be sure. I have my own predictions, and I'll come up with them a little later. But anybody that worried that Obama doesn't really have the fire in his belly, that he's really not going to run a full-on campaign, well, he was interviewed by ABC's Diane Sawyer. She asked him during this exclusive interview in Las Vegas, she said, how much do you want to be president? Badly, the president said, because I think the country needs it. Whoever wins the Republican primary is going to be a standard bearer for a vision of the country that I don't think reflects who we are. I'm going to fight as hard as I can with every fiber of my being to make sure that we continue on a path that I think will restore the American dream, he said. Quote, the American people are going to make a judgment about who's trying to bring the country together and who's dividing it, who reflects the core values that help create this country, and who is tapping into some of our worst instincts. Every fiber of his being. I think come November 2012, this man is going to have something to croon about. This is Peter Bergman. Thank you for being with us. Keep Oz in your ears and become an Ozineer, a subscriber, an underwriter, a platinum friend. It's only $3 a month, a dime a day. Just go up to RadioFreeOz.com and sign up. We need you. See you tomorrow.